Welcome to this throwback Thursday edition of In the Master's Closet. This is not something I'm going to do every week because there's a limited amount of uh, recordings to work with, but I, I came across a uh, selection of uh, messages that I've preached in the past, and I thought this one that I want to share with you today might be an encouragement and an inspiration to you. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time introducing it. I will just tell you it's a message that I entitled The Lamb, and I hope you enjoy. A couple of the songs that we sang today had the had a, a phrase in them or a description of Jesus in them that I was drawn to this week as I was seeking God's direction for the message this morning. In those songs, we, we sang about the Lamb. And so this morning, I, I want to spend a little bit of time as the Holy Spirit directs, and I'm not sure which direction for sure through the Scriptures He's going to lead us, but I want us to look a little bit this morning at the Lamb. Um, who is this lamb that we talk about being worthy? He's worthy. Worthy is the lamb. Who is the lamb? Jesus. But I want to trace the history just a little bit for a few minutes together this morning and, and take a look at the lamb that the scripture talks about. Here in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible is John the Revelator is given... Uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ, we see a description given of Jesus, of the Lamb of God. And I want to read that to you this morning as we try to get in our minds the picture of this Lamb that we've sung about this morning. And this is a picture of Jesus as he appears to John in, in the time that John spent receiving the revelation Revelation chapter 5, and we're going to start reading at verse 1 this morning. Then I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw a lamb. Notice that that word lamb is a capital letter there because it's a title of divinity. Then I saw the lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and the elders the Lamb of God had had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, 
The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne. And the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped him. What a powerful picture that is of the Lamb. The Lamb of God, the resurrected Christ who became, as we know him, the Lamb of God. This idea of a lamb, Jesus being a lamb, we can trace its history, some would say, all the way back to the the Garden of Eden, um, when Abel would sacrifice a lamb in God's presence. But most profoundly, we see this lamb, idea of the lamb, traced back to the book of Exodus. When the children of Israel, the Hebrews, had been in Egypt in bondage for 400 years. And you remember the story. God began to bring the plagues on Egypt to to deliver his people from the hand of the Egyptians. And the Pharaoh was hard-hearted and calloused and he wouldn't relent. But then finally one last plague was announced that it was coming God announced that he was going to slay the firstborn of all the of all the the Egyptians. But he made a covenant with Moses and the people. He told them you need to take a lamb and you need to slay that lamb and you need to take the blood from that lamb and you need to paint the doorposts of your house of your dwelling. And if you'll do that the night when the death angel comes and passes over Egypt To bring this last plague on the Egyptians. When I see the blood on the doorpost. I will pass over. I won't bring judgment on your house. And when you get over into the book. uh, Into the New Testament. You see where Paul describes. I believe it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. You can look that up later if you'd like. Paul describes Jesus as our Passover lamb. 
And by saying that, he he paints a beautiful picture for us because he says essentially to you and I, look, judgment was resting upon you. You were in danger of judgment, but Jesus became your Passover lamb. His blood was shed. It was made available for you so that it could be painted on the doorposts of your heart so that the judgment that God would bring because of sin will be passed over because the blood of the lamb has been applied to the heart. And the lamb, as we go through this story of the scriptures, I could point to so much more as we trace the history of the lamb. John the Baptist, when he first saw Jesus, do you remember how he described him? Behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The Bible describes Jesus as the lamb that was slain from the very foundations of the earth. What does that mean? It means that the plan of salvation, of Jesus dying on the cross and shedding his blood, that plan was in place before the foundation of this world was ever laid. God knew that he was going to send his only son to die on the cross for your sins and for mine. So that that blood could cover us. So that it could set us free of that judgment that was upon us. And the lamb was the, was the promise and the plan from the very beginning before God ever spoke the world into existence. The Lamb of God is traced. We trace Him all throughout the Word. And we see beautiful pictures of this idea of the Lamb. But none more precious, none more beautiful than this picture we've just seen in Revelation chapter 5. Because at this point we see the Lamb of God that was slain. Yet has risen victorious over death in the grave. And has returned... To the right hand of the Father, it says in that passage, praise to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And Jesus, having gone through the plan of salvation, having been faithful to the Father's will, eventually was able to ascend back to the Father's side. And today He's there, interceding for you and I, praying for you and I, offering salvation to any and every person that would simply come to Him and say, I know I'm a sinner. I know that my heart is full of sin. I know my past is littered with mistakes and problems. And I know I've made a mess of my life. But Jesus stands waiting to apply His blood to our heart. To cleanse us from all sin. To to save us from the judgment that our sin has brought on us. The lamb that was slain. Is still there in the throne room of heaven. And while he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. When John saw Jesus. And John remember. When he wrote the revelation. John was a friend of Jesus. In the gospel that John wrote. John describes himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. In other words. I I paraphrase it to say this way. John saying I was his favorite. I mean, he, that's how he felt about Jesus. That's the relationship that he had with Jesus. It, I was the one he loved the most. He doesn't add the most, but you kind of hear it in the gospel. And he had that close, intimate friendship with Jesus. But when John has this privilege 
of getting this vision, this revelation of things to come, when he sees Jesus again for the first time after Jesus had ascended to heaven, how's the first, what's the first description that he gives of Jesus? I saw the lamb as though he were slain. I saw that same Jesus John was saying that hung on that cross for my sins. But now he's got a crown. I saw the lamb and all of heaven gathers around the lamb and they sing Worthy is the Lamb. I love the one verse in that chapter 5. And I want, I want to point you back to it, verse 12. Because I want to show you something today that I see in this verse. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 12. Look, look at what it says. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. To receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. There are seven things there. You know that in the Bible, seven represents perfection. The idea here, the sevenfold worth of God, the perfect worth of the Lamb. To receive these seven things. But I noticed as I went through this list, and I want you to look back through this list with me. Because there's only one, honestly, there's only one of these things that you and I can really give him. All of the other things, and we'll look at them in just a minute. All of the other things, the first six things that are talked about, were given to Jesus by the Father. He's already received those and been given those. Let's look at them. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power. Who gave Jesus power? The Father. Can you and I give him power? We can give him power over our life, but we can't, we can't, we can't give God any more power or Jesus any more power than he has. And wealth. Can we make Jesus more wealthy than he is? No. Wisdom. How many of us have any wisdom to offer Jesus? No one? You're in the same ballpark I am then. What about strength? Does Jesus derive strength from you and I? No. We can't add strength to Jesus. What about honor? Well, we, there's an aspect to which we can honor him, but are we making him more honorable by honoring him? No, he has a position of honor because the Father has put all things under his feet. And everything is submitted to the will of Christ because the Father gave him that position of honor. And glory. Can you and I make Jesus more glorious? We can give him glory, but can we make him more glorious? No. But there's one last thing that ends the list. What is it? Praise. That's the only thing that you and I can give him. 
That's the only thing that you and I, your praise is the only thing that you can give Jesus that he doesn't already have. You ever think about that? All the world sings his praises. We look outside and we see that beautiful sunshine and it sings the praise of God. We watch the leaves at this time of year as they begin to just change in beautiful colors. And they sing praise to God. We look at our grandchildren and when they're not screaming, I want more. We see sometimes beautiful things that reflect the goodness of God. All of creation sings his praise. The only one of us that he has trouble with are human beings. And he has allowed us, he's allowed you and I to decide whether or not we're going to give him praise. It's the only thing that you and I, out of that list... That's the only thing that you and I can actually give him. As we look at the lamb and our heart is filled with gratitude, we can offer him praise. Now, what is praise? I found something interesting as I read it this as I read this week. I like to go back when I look up a word, I like to go back to Daniel Webster's old dictionary. Daniel Webster was a devout Christian man, and when he wrote his old Webster's dictionary, he used the scriptures to help define a lot of words. And so I love that. If you've never seen one, if you ever if you ever get a chance to pick one up, it's worth looking at because he used uh, used God's word to help explain what words mean. But I want you to listen to what Daniel Webster, how he defined praise. Number one is first definition. To commend. To applaud. To express admiration of personal worth or action. Okay. It's pretty much what we thought, wasn't it? Number two. To extol in words or song. To magnify, to glorify on account of perfections or excellent works. Again, that sounds right, doesn't it? Number three, to express gratitude for personal favors. Again, that's what kind of what we expect, what we think of when we think of praise. All of those things in those first three definitions are things that we're called to do with our mouth. The only thing that you and I have to offer the lamb is praise. And in this first in this first aspect, we do it through our mouths. Whether it's singing or sharing a word of testimony or offering a, a word of praise or just telling someone, a coworker or a family member about God's goodness and his mercy and his love and what he's doing in our life, we can express God. We can express praise to the Lamb through our mouth. And that's something we can give Him that unless we give it to Him, He won't otherwise have. If you've ever felt like you have nothing to offer Him, if you got lips and a heart full of gratitude, you've got something to offer Him that He doesn't have until you choose to give it. And that's your praise. But there's another thing I found in Webster's Dictionary. Listen to, what, listen to the fourth definition that Daniel Webster gave of praise. 
to do honor to or to display the excellence of. To do honor to or to display the excellence of. And so I got to thinking about that. Well, what's he saying there? How would that work in regards to praise? Well, I think when you apply this definition to the idea of praise, the other way that we can offer praise to the Lamb is not other than just with our mouths and our words and our singing, is to live our lives in a way that honor Him and display His excellence. To live our lives in a way that honor Him and display His excellence. And so I started to think about that and I began to search the Scriptures. It's interesting, Jesus taught that same idea about glorifying His Father. If you look in Matthew chapter 5 and you read verses 14 through 16, listen to what Jesus said. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Did you catch that? Let men see your good deeds... And praise your Father in heaven. Do you realize another way that you can offer praise to the Lamb is by living a life that honors and reflects Him and His excellence. By living the kind of life that people can look at and see Jesus and praise can go to Him because of what the Lord has done in your life. Paul... And I could give you several, and I'm not going to for time's sake, but I want to give you one more because Paul also caught on this theme. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 13, Paul said this to the Corinthians, Because of the services by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ, and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. So Paul said to the Corinthians, when people see your obedience and when they see your generosity, Corinthians, they will praise God because of what they see you doing in your life. And so you and I, when we look at the Lamb, And we have those feelings of there's nothing that I can offer him. The scripture teaches, and there may be more, but I found two things that you and I can do. We can praise him with our mouths and we can live a life that people will see Jesus in so that Jesus can receive praise because of what he's done in our lives and what he's doing in our lives. We sing the song, Worthy is the Lamb. That's a familiar phrase to many of us. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb to be praised. How can you do it? You can do it with your mouth. 
but you can also do it with your life. Living a life that reflects Jesus so that people can see the good works, the obedience, the generosity, the love, the kindness. And while they might not understand all of what's going on in your life or maybe what your relationship with Jesus has done, but when they look at your life, they see something good and something praiseworthy. And when they see that, Jesus, the Lamb, receives praise. Worthy is the Lamb. I want to close with a story. You go back into church history, especially into the history of the, the church in the Nazarene, the Wesleyan church. You study about John Wesley and his life. You find that as a, a young man, John Wesley was greatly influenced in his life by a group known as the Moravians. They were a group of German people that had fled um, religious persecution. They came to live on the estate of a wealthy German man um, named Count Zinzendorf. He gave them a place on his sprawling estate to live and they began basically a village there. And God's spirit was present in that place. Wesley, Wesley would at different times go to visit the village there um, among the Moravian people. But God's spirit came and brought revival in that community. And out of that revival, um, that sweeping revival comes this story. In 1731, Count Zinzendorf, who was the leader of the Moravians, met a slave from St. Thomas Island who pleaded with him and the community at Hearn Hut to send missionaries there. A missions fire was kindled in that fellowship of 300 Moravian people. Two men volunteered to go to St. Thomas and to reach the slaves with the gospel. These young men, Johann Leonard Dober and David Nietzscheman, were so committed to their calling that they expressed a willingness to sell themselves into slavery if necessary so that they could gain access to the slaves that they wanted to reach with the gospel. On October 8th, 1732, they boarded a ship leaving Copenhagen, Denmark, bound for St. Thomas, unsure what the future would hold for them, not knowing if they would ever return. As the ship pulled away from the docks, it is said that they called out to their loved ones and their family on the shore. They cried out this one statement. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward for his suffering. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward 
for his suffering. It so impacted the people that heard that statement that that became the cry of Moravian missions. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. I believe it should become the motto of our lives. May the lamb receive the praise he is worthy of from both my mouth and my life. This week, as we go out into this community, into this county, into this state, we're going to be confronted with all kinds of different situations. At work, at home, in the drive-thru lane at McDonald's, which can be an exercise in patience. In our churches, everywhere we go, we're going to be faced with situations and difficulties. Is the lamb going to receive praise not only from your words, but from your life this week? Are the things that you're going to come that are going to come out of your mouth, are they going to bring praise to the Lamb? As you make decisions, as you're confronted with issues and problems and difficulties and the daily stresses and strains of life, are your actions, is your life going to be bring praise to the Lamb? I say our heart's cry ought to be that of the Moravian missionaries. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. The only thing I can give you, Lord, is praise. And the only way I know to give it to you is through my mouth, through the words that I say, and through the life that I live. That's the cry of my heart. Then in my reactions, in my actions, the Lamb will receive praise. That the words that I say will bring praise and glory to Him. That there'll never be anything that comes out of my mouth or anything that shows forth out of my life that would reflect negatively on Him. Because he's worthy of our praise. As I close, I want want to give you one final picture in your mind of the lamb. That's worthy of our praise. Because I want to take you back to a place called Mount Calvary. Where Jesus, after his mock trial... And a scourging that would have killed most men. Willingly laid himself down on a cross where Roman soldiers drove nails through his hands and feet. 
than picking the cross up and dropping it with a thud into a hole. Jesus hung suspended there between heaven and earth. His body racked with pain. Struggling for his next breath. There hangs the lamb. And it's my sin that helped to drive the nails there. And that blood that's dripping from his hands and his feet is the blood that had to be shed to cover my sin. See the lamb this morning. See him in your mind's eye. Visit the cross again. And see the lamb that was slain for you. There's that phrase in one of the old hymns that say, says basically, May the scene of the cross ever be before me. May I never forget the lamb that was slain for my sins. And may the motto of my life, may my heart's cry be, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Me. My life. Will you stand with me this morning and bow your heads? We're not going to play any music or have any kind of invitation in that way. But with everyone's head bowed and everyone's eyes closed. And I just ask you to do that just to respect everyone around you and their, and their privacy. Lord Jesus. Sometimes we get too far away from the cross. And you forget, we forget how great a price you paid for us. And Lord, the sacrifice that you, that you gave for us was so great. How could we give you anything less than our lives? Lord, there's not much that we can give you. You have all the power and the wealth and the wisdom and the glory and the honor. You have all of that, Lord. There's not much we can give you, but we can give you praise. And so this morning, together, we praise you and thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy that you pour out in our lives. We praise you for that. We praise you for who you are in this place today. And Lord, we ask you that you would enable us going forth, especially each one of those that raise their hand across this sanctuary this morning. Enable us to give our lives for the praise of the Lamb. Strengthen us, walk with us, give us a resilience in our heart and a determination to live a life that brings praise to you. Because Lord, you are worthy of our praise. Lord, our heart's desire is that you would receive praise through us.
Lord, we realize that even as we give you our praise, we're not giving you something that you must have. Because, Lord, you could be just as much who you are without our praise. But, Lord, we are giving you something that you want. You purchased us with your blood. You want to have a relationship with us and you want to work through us. And you want to live and dwell in us. And this week we pray that we would be able to live to the praise of the Lamb. May the Lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Lord, I pray that you would go with us as we go from this place. We again thank you for the opportunity that we have to come into your presence. And Lord, to sing your praises and to listen to your Holy Spirit as he speaks to our heart. I pray that you would go with each one. Lord, may your blessing rest upon them. May your face shine upon them. May you give them peace and safety and a comfort in knowing that you're with them. And that you'll never leave them or forsake them. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this Throwback Thursday edition of In the Master's Workshop. Pray that it was a blessing to you. And I pray that the Lamb of God will receive the reward of his suffering in your life and in mine. Have a great day, and I'll see you on down the road.